welcome to The Scriptures Are Real. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and this is just a short introduction to uh, that will be used for two different podcasts by uh, Kim Matheson. I actually interviewed Kim just once, and it was very early on when we were trying to figure out uh, some of our technical details, and I didn't do a good job. So there's an echo problem that we've done our best to get rid of, but it's still there, and I hope you can just bear through it because the interview was so good. I hated to or at least Kim's part of it was so good. I hated to do anything that would uh, not try and replicate it. It just didn't seem like a reasonable thing to try and do. Also, she talked about a few different things, and it seemed worth breaking into two different episodes. So you'll hear the same introduction from me and saying hi to her in both of those episodes. One of those will be about Elijah, and one of those will be about Jacob wrestling with an angel. And so you'll hear this introduction and my introduction with her and both of those, and then you'll hear different material. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Kim. She is just fantastic, and I know I enjoyed it. Thank you. Hi, Hi and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Mulstein, and this is the podcast where we talk about things that have made the Scriptures come alive or be more real to us. We think that's important because uh, when the Scriptures are more real, you're more easily able to apply them to your life and draw power out of them. And hopefully uh, during those tough times and those times you need extra guidance, uh, having the scriptures be more real allows you to draw more power from them and, and receive inspiration from the Holy Ghost as you read them and, and stay anchored in Christ. Uh, and so there are a lot of good things that happen as we figure out how real the scriptures are. And I'm especially excited today. My guest is Kim Matheson. Uh, who was actually once a student of mine. Uh, we went to uh, Egypt. She excavated with me in Egypt and uh, since then has gone on to do fantastic things, both in her studies and I've uh, heard her lectures and read articles and even a little book by her. And I think she uh, has a lot to bring to the table. I'm going to let her give you the particulars of, that she would like to of uh, what, uh, what she's studying and what she's working on. But I just want to say welcome, Kim. It's so good to be with you again. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, yes, you asked about just kind of introductory stuff, what I'm up to. I'm currently a PhD student in theology at Loyola University, Chicago, um, and I'm working, I'm in the last stages of my dissertation where I look at prayer and kind of Christian devotional practices of prayer and the effect that they have on the disciple and on the world as you, you know, retreat from the world for a few minutes every day and end up kind of suspending your normal everyday concerns. So I have a dissertation that looks at that. Uh, what, what better thing could we be thinking about and looking at? So that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then you studied uh, before that uh, at Harvard, mm -hmm. wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. I did a master's degree at Harvard, and then before that, right here at BYU. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Where where I was fortunate to work with. Yeah. You, so. Well, good. Well, good. Uh, and I've just heard Kim talk about the scriptures enough to know that she really is serious about looking at them and has uh, wonderful insights. And I think that. If you're if doing, doing that, that, then you have to have had moments, moments where, as you were reading, suddenly you saw something, you understood something, you, understood something, you heard something, whatever, whatever that you just went, oh, I, I get this, I get this. And, and it just became more real to you. So yeah. if you have some of those, some of those you'd be willing to share with us, we'd love to hear about them. Yeah, well, I've got, I've got one that occurred to me. Um, this is my favorite chapter in all of the Old Testament, and it's Genesis chapter 32. Um, and, you know, it actually echoes a lot of the Elijah story that we were talking about a minute ago in that we have a character, a prophet with urgent needs and concerns. Mm. And what he's given is so bizarre and doesn't seem to match them at all. Yeah. So the situation is this. 
uh, Jacob is returning with his two wives from decades off in the east, um, and he's coming back home. And he left home not on very good terms with his brother Esau. Uh, in fact, murderously bad terms. There's yeah. real bad blood between these two, and Jacob is scared about coming back and meeting Esau. Um, the last thing he knew, Esau wanted to kill him. Right. And he sent some messengers ahead to say, hey, Esau, your brother's coming back. And the messengers come back and said, great, he's waiting for you. He has 400 men with him. Yeah, feel better now? Yeah, that does not look yeah. good. And so Jacob starts making these urgent preparations. He um, sends exorbitant gifts across the river to kind of yeah. calm Esau down. He divides his family into two groups so that if Esau gets mad and attacks one of them, maybe the other one can escape. He's, he's hedging his bets. Yeah, and, and I have to say that, that particular one really touches me. I mean, mm. as as a parent, can you imagine being, you know, certain or, or thinking it is likely, so likely that my family will be killed, that I'm going to divide them so that at least maybe some of them survive? And I mean, what does that feel like to think, uh, oh, what if these ones survive? You know, I mean, you know, you're dealing with guilt the rest of your life, everything. I mean, that's as scary a situation as a parent as can be to say, okay, I think it's, there's a really good chance that a lot of us are going to die. Can we divide up so maybe fewer die than than I was hoping or what I was thinking might happen? I mean, that's that's it's heart wrenching. Yeah, it tells you where his heart is, and because he's only coming back because God has asked him to. Right, that's the only reason he's coming back, and I think he's sitting there saying, I'm. I, I, this just seems like a really bad idea to me, and I'm literally scared to death for, well, not almost to death, but literally scared for the death of my family. But I'm coming because you told me to. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, keep no, going. No, this is great. So he, he makes that division, and he sends his family across the river. Uh, and then uh, he's left alone. The sun sets, and he kind of camps out on one side of the river, and he knows that Esau's on the other side. And in the morning, yeah. he's going to have to face his brother after all these years. Um, and so. I mean, you can imagine his state of mind. We've talked about this, and he's got to be just praying desperately for how things yeah. are going to go in the morning. But instead of getting a good night's sleep the way that you need before a big <laughs> confrontation like this, uh, Genesis 32, verse 24, says this, Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. So in the middle of the night, he's jumped just by some guy. He doesn't know who. Uh, we find out later there's some ambiguity. That perhaps it's God himself, and this becomes the story of wrestling with God or wrestling with an angel. Mm -hmm. um, and all night long, he wrestles with this person. You can, and you can imagine the experience for Jacob of at first thinking, oh, great, now I've got to deal with thieves. I'm trying to be yeah. robbed. And somewhere over the course of the hours of this wrestle, he starts to realize maybe it's different. Maybe the, and maybe the moment that... There's something going on. Maybe the moment that does that for him is in verse 25. So this... This, this stranger who's wrestling with him, uh, when that stranger saw that he prevailed not against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. So the stranger, what, reaches down and just kind of touches Jacob's thigh and blows it out of joint. So this is... this is He cheated. <laughs> cheating, for starters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for another thing, this is a very tangible encounter with heaven. Yeah. This is not... Whatever God is doing with Jacob here is not sentimental and abstract. This is yeah. physical, material, concrete. Uh, we'll see how concrete in a few more verses. Yeah, um, but I, I, I agree. I think, I mean, I am tempted to say that this is symbolic, and I think there is a very symbolic element to it. But you, you'd be tempted to say that this is a symbolic wrestle until you get his, his thighs out of joint. And then you're like, oh, this is actually really happening yeah. physically. Yeah. So, yeah, sorry, keep going. Um, 
The other strange thing is that this divine figure, and we find out he's divine in some sense, uh, doesn't seem like Jacob's winning in some sense, or at least holding his own. Yeah. Um, God is God is taking Jacob like right up to the very limit of what Jacob thinks he's capable of. And and it's a, there's a beautiful uh, a scriptural echo here because you remember when when Jacob was was well when Esau is born, mm-hmm. Jacob's holding on to his ankle, yeah. right? And that's the same thing that's happening here. This is a guy who's not going to let go. Uh, and that's exactly what happens here. So there's this kind of foreshadowing that we see uh, at his birth uh, at, at, that takes place at his rebirth here. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that's lovely. fun stuff. Jacob is, is tenacious. Yeah. And that tenacity gets for him a blessing because the divine figure, as morning comes in verse 26, says, hey, let, let me go. It's morning. We're done here. And Jacob says, absolutely not. Give me a blessing. And it's then that the Abrahamic covenant is once again. Uh, renewed with Jacob, and his name has yeah. changed to Israel. And what had been just kind of this chance, frightening encounter in the middle of the night for hours and hours, straining against this tangible divine figure who's wrestling with him, Jacob ekes out of that exchange a blessing and a name change. And this wrestle becomes something more like an embrace across the veil or something of that sort. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And then in verse 30, here's how Jacob refers to the place at the end. Yeah. Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And you're the Hebrew expert here, but I believe that means what face of God, or I've seen God. Yeah, yeah, it could be that face of God, or uh, uh, my face and God, or is God, or something along those lines. But it has has to do with being in the face of God, yeah. or in the presence of God. And so I'm just I'm so touched a by the again the strangeness of what God does with those who are faithful. We should expect. Yeah. That at times we will wrestle with God and it will be bizarre and we won't understand it. But Jacob to me is an example of the tenacity you hold on through those experiences. And at the end, you can walk away saying, I've, I've encountered God. He's yeah. touched my life physically and concretely and it was strange and it was hard and it exacted a high cost. But I've seen the face of God. And then forever, my favorite verse of scripture will be verse 31. Because here Jacob is now walking across the river. The sun is rising. He's going to go meet Esau. And it says, as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. For the rest of his life, Jacob will walk with a limp because of this encounter with God. It has marked him and it's marked him. I mean, think too about how this looks to, to Esau. Esau has just been confronted with signs of incredible wealth. Here come all these gifts and servants that Jacob has acquired uh, in his years away. But when it finally comes time to meet his brother, Jacob looks like an old man. He's limping. He's marked. But he's actually, he's got to be worn out. <laughs> yeah. Wedding and whatever else. Right. But actually, in that very sign of physical weakness or that mark uh, or that limp, that's the sign that he held on for something with God. Wow. Um, I, I just, I love that story. I can't say it any more beautifully than that. But it seems to me that this too is what we should expect from the life of faith. Sometimes you're going to wrestle. Sometimes you're going to walk away limping. But it's in that that we often find God. Uh, it's beautiful. And, and I th- you're, there's so many elements of it, you know, that idea. I mean, he's already gone through a wrestle just to get there like we yeah. spoke of, right? This is an Abrahamic sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm willing to sacrifice my family. I, I don't want to. But if that's what you're asking, then okay. So he's had all that kind of wrestle. And then as he's wrestling in prayer, he gets the actual physical wrestle, yeah. right? And as we said, he won't let go. And then the... It, it, we don't know for sure what Israel means, but but 
the the most on the face of a translation it's either that god has prevailed or he has prevailed with yeah. god and it probably is intended to mean both mm -hmm. right so this idea that you said like he, he won't let go he, he prevails with god uh it's so beautiful but you're right that there's he, he pays a price for this but the price is worth it yeah. right and again that that reception of the name indicates a rebirth mm -hmm. Uh, and so he has become a new person with these new great blessings. And the, uh, and I think a higher, the Abrahamic covenant in some ways is confirmed as he's leaving. And at Bethel, it seems to be confirmed in a higher way yeah. here, uh, right? He's, he's, he's leveled up. If it's like a kid uh, video game terminology, yeah. right? But uh, he, he's leveled up in his nearness to God and it, and it cost. Mm -hmm. uh, and it wasn't easy, but it was worth it. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought the ambiguity of Israel. Yeah. God prevails or he prevails with God because that, I know this is where you're going, but I'll make it explicit because it's so lovely. Um, that's exactly what we see enacted in this story that the angel, I mean, Jacob is not going to win against an angel. Really, the angel is winning this exchange. But then verse 25 also says Jacob prevailed against the angel. Both of them yeah. are, in some sense, winning this exchange with the other. God is prevailing and uh, Jacob is prevailing. Um, and that's, that's what it is to be in relationship with God, to embrace God sometimes strains us so much that we feel like it's a wrestle. We should expect that kind of difficulty to our life of faith. But man, look at the blessings that come. Yeah. Uh, that's beautiful, Ken. Well, thank you yeah. so much. Beautiful stuff uh, uh, that uh, makes a difference in our lives. So I'm so glad to have had you with us and uh, just look forward for seeing great things from Kim in the future. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much.